0: Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Well, Traveling Culturati is back from the summer break. Uh, I have to ask you, how was your summer? I always think about that voice. I think it's from the like North Hamptons, Boston, Northeast America. It's like, how was your summer? We always look for that time of the year where we can get lost in the summer, enjoy the weather. And especially after the last two years that we've had, right? we've been cooped up and now we can get out and celebrate and enjoy life and certainly enjoy the summer. So I hope you've survived also what was called the summer of chaos. And this is related to the airlines. There were so many cancellations, delays, lost bags, so many things that happened. And remember I warned you back in the winter and early 2022 that this would be the summer of chaos, and it certainly was. And we kind of expected it because the airlines had shortages and pilot shortages, ground crew shortages, flight attendant shortages, and just a lot of demand. They're calling it revenge travel. I don't know if I like that term, but they are calling it revenge travel. Oh boy, but I'm glad that we have gotten through that. I mean, summer's not completely over, but we really only have about a few days left of summer and then fall is upon us. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to kind of relive what happened in the summer of chaos. And then also we're going to talk about fall travel and we have to talk about holiday travel. Believe it or not, it is quickly approaching and it'll be here before you know it. I swear, I think somebody has their finger on the fast forward button for this year because it certainly is going by very quickly. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the culture report but let's get into a little travel news and see what's happening. TSA is now allowing some passengers to use their iPhone to get through security. You know, they always start with iPhone. I'm an Android person or user or whatever you call it, but everything always rolls out first for iPhone. So if you are a member of that club, the iPhone club, then you may be able to get through security just by using your phone. They are rolling out a pilot program in Phoenix at the airport there with plans for a very quick expansion to the other states. Now, this is only available for pre-check flyers. Now, remember, TSA pre-check means that you have been vetted, you've gone through a security screening, and you now have TSA pre-check, which means you can go through TSA security lanes, one that is designated for TSA pre-check. So if you've seen that sign, and also you don't have to take off your shoes, your belts, your light outerwear, like a jacket or something like that. You don't have to take your laptop out of your bag. So it makes it a lot quicker to go through security because you've already been screened through your appointments and through some records that they look into for you. And remember again that your boarding pass must have the TSA pre-check logo on it, otherwise you cannot go through that lane. So, if you're a pre check flyer and if you have an iPhone, and for right now, if you're in Phoenix, then you may see that where you can just present your documentation on your phone. And they rolled out this technology that will allow you to upload your state issued ID to your Apple wallet and then to your iPhone, and then use your iPhone or your Apple watch even to swipe through security. So, hopefully, that'll make it a lot faster. they'll roll it out to the other state, and hopefully they'll roll it out to Android. (laughs) So we're looking at TSA's Credential Authentication Technology Reader. That's what it's going to be called, or that's what it is called. So no more fumbling around. I know if you're like me, and sometimes your boarding pass is on your phone, or you have a boarding pass printed out, and then you have to show that. So either way, your boarding pass, whether it's a mobile pass or a printed pass, must show the TSA PreCheck logo. And now with this. This new TSA credential authentication technology reader I'm sure there's an app you would have to download for that. And if you have iPhone or the Apple Watch, you'll be able to go through. So I'm happy to see that, but I am looking for the day when they allow Android users to use it. (laughs) I talked in the opening about the summer of 2022 and revenge travel to travel chaos. Yes, they are calling it revenge travel because after 2020 and 2021, people were really bent on Thank you. the cat getting their travel in. I'm going to travel no matter what they were going to travel. So there was a soaring demand. And I can tell you being on the other end of the travel industry as a travel professional, the requests came pouring in and people had that pent up demand, that pent up desire to want to travel. So this is what they're calling revenge travel, getting revenge on 2020 and 2021. I don't know if I like revenge. I mean, what is the revenge on? I guess the pandemic. But I think I would prefer to just say that there's high demand, pent up demand pent up desire to travel. But unfortunately, that demand came ahead of the airlines and even the hotels. But everybody's really talking about the airlines today, that staff shortages, they weren't able to call everyone back so quickly, because a lot of people had gotten other jobs. The other thing that happened is that a lot of people who were on the verge of retirement just decided to retire because 2020 and 2021, were two of those years and they just figured, let me just go ahead and retire. So it left airlines really struggling. And so they did get some new hires coming in, but again, there's that learning curve of training. And so you found, and what I find behind the scenes, calling airlines and hotels and making reservations is that there just aren't as many experienced staffers than they had before. So there was a survey with 2000 travelers and the analysts found that 61% experienced a flight delay or cancellation this summer. And as a result, 83% lost money spent on prepaid hotel rooms, cruises, and other activities because their flight was either canceled or delayed. And in some cases, if your flight was delayed, it was delayed for days, not just the next flight that next day or later that day. As we're used to experiencing. And overall, summer travelers lost on average of eight hundred thirty eight dollars, more than double the national average cost of a domestic airline ticket. And seventeen percent of summer travelers missed milestone events like weddings, graduations, and family reunions, especially those that booked their reservation close to that event and they just weren't able to go i mean i did have some incidents with flight delays and so forth and fortunately i was able to circumvent some of that for example i went to saint lucia for a wedding and one airline cancelled my flight and then just automatically booked me on the next morning so like no i had already checked out of my hotel i didn't get the notification till i was driving to the airport and so i quickly got online and booked a flight on another airline and was able to get home that evening. And then of course I got my refund from American. So you have to be very proactive because while this is the summer of chaos, I don't think things are gonna rapidly change for the fall. Some airlines are making some changes and we can certainly talk about that. But that also means you're gonna have fewer flight Options. Now let's talk about luggage because this summer of chaos meant that 48% of these respondents said that they lost their bags or that they were delayed while traveling. 44% said their luggage was damaged when returned to them. And some of them really said that their bags were delayed more than a few days. On average, four days in a lot of situations. And 11% just never received their luggage. And later on, Gene Harley, our executive producer, is going to join me as we talk about fall travel and wrapping up the summer of chaos. And he's going to share with you a story that he had with transportation and his luggage and it being delayed for long periods of time. So talking about the improvement for fall and for the holiday is you're going to have to really start thinking about that because airlines are cutting thousands of flights for the fall. So you're just not gonna have as many options available. And they're really cutting these extra flights. You'll find it a lot of times between sub-markets or smaller cities, Two hubs. They're just kind of considering how many flights do we need to have between one route. In some cases, there are major hubs. So the airlines are really trimming back. And it, a large part was due to the summer when they were plagued by flight delays and cancellations, that they just didn't have the staff to accommodate these delays and cancellations, considering that flight attendants were timing out. Well, what do I mean by that? Timing out means you have so many hours that you can work, and union laws require that they can't work beyond that. So they were just timing out because of the delays. So for example, if they had already met their eight or nine hours and there was another delay, then you had to pull that flight attendant or that pilot out of the rotation. And then you'd have to substitute them with another staff member and they're already sourced thinly. So this is why we had the summer of chaos. So American Airlines says that the change in flight schedules is similar to how it was handling operations pre-COVID. I think they had more flights because I know that they parked a lot of planes during COVID, but I think that they are really just kind of scrutinizing their schedule and saying, let's have schedules that match and can be supported by the staff and crew that we have. Delta is another airline that is scaling back for fall. And this is going to affect holiday travel as well. Although they may, what they do sometimes is add on extra flights for peak periods. And so maybe for the holidays, they'll do that. United Airlines as well. So it's not just U.S. carriers though. We're talking about U.S. carriers now, but I'm seeing this happen around the globe. So you wanna make sure that you get any fall or holiday travel taken care of as soon as possible. So we have, what, Halloween, I don't know how many people travel for Halloween, but certainly Thanksgiving. And then we have Christmas. And again, these months are flying by. How about a little cruise news? Royal Caribbean, they're going to raise their onboard gratuities next month. Yeah, 10% next month for passengers in staterooms. So it's going to charge non-suite staterooms $16 per person per day. And that's from the current charge of $14 dollars and 50 cents. So there's a raise of $1.50. This is again per person per day. It's automatically added to your CPAS. And of course you can decide to pay more or you can say, I don't want to pay that. (laughs) <laughs> and have them reduce it. Gratuities are still not mandatory. So, you can decide how much you want to spend, but they charge it to you automatically and most people don't dispute it at all. But if you're in a suite, there's a 5% increase from 1750 a day to 1850 per person per day. So you want to make sure that you calculate that in your budget. So when you're booking a cruise, it's not just the cabin that you're buying, but there are some plus pluses like the taxes and the port fees and gratuities. And of course, that's in addition to some of those excursions that you're going to buy when you're on board. And also the other purchases that you're going to make like spa appointments. And I think the thing that gets people the most are those cocktails because we're just charging it to our cabin. Then at the end, we realize who drank all that (laughs) wine or cocktails. (laughs) We're always shocked by that bill at the end, but you can periodically go to the desk and ask for a charge update. You know, where am I in this process? The new tip structure exceeds some of the major other cruise lines like Carnival, for example. They're recommending $14.50 per person per day for standard staterooms and sixteen fifty for suites. But that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, executive producer Gene Harley is going to join me and we're going to talk more about the summer of chaos, what you can expect for fall travel, and of course the looming holiday season is coming up as well. So don't go anywhere. This is traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit travelingculturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website travelingculturati.com. And connect with me on social media. I am so happy to be back, folks. Yes. You know, we had our summer slumber or our summer hiatus, and it was really hot fun in the summertime, I tell you, because there was so much pent-up demand for travel, as I talked about previously, and also the issues that we had with the airlines. But one of the things we talked about was lost baggage and delayed baggage. Remember we talked about that? And I promised that executive producer Gene Harley would join me because he has a very personal experience with lost and delayed luggage from a couple of trips that he went on this past summer. And I have to tell you, you can't make this up. Well, Gene, welcome back to Traveling Culturati.
1: Thank you, Javon.
0: Before we get to the baggage, just kind of tell me how has this summer of travel been for you? And was it really summer of chaos for you?
1: Well, to a certain extent, yes. There is so much going on. There were so many crowded, canceled flights, so many delays. For me personally, I broke my standard rule of only traveling with a carry on. Had to for meetings and VIP and some social events. And I had three trips and three lost bags, all delayed technically because they got back within one week, 10 days, and 48 hours. But it was extreme out there, it was very crowded. It was a good summer for travel and to bring back with travel. But I think fall is going to be a lot nicer and a lot easier. And now, Javon's Travel Minute.
0: I want to talk about the travel outfit. Gone are the days of dressing up. It's all about comfort today. And I'm, quite frankly, one that's glad to see that you don't have to dress up anymore. It wasn't comfortable. And as these seats are getting smaller... And more seats are being added to economy class, then it is becoming more and more of an issue to be comfortable. I'm a fan of joggers and I'm a fan of leggings because guess what? They stretch and they move with you. Add to it a nice pullover, making sure you dress warmly no matter what time of the year it is because the airplanes are always cold, especially after they take off, that air conditioning kicks in. One thing I wanna warn you about is shorts. No shorts, no sandals. It's just way too much skin exposed. And they really don't have the time to clean the planes thoroughly as they should, because again, we're back to normal or probably before pre-pandemic levels of travel. So it's very important that you dress comfortably and that you dress so that you can easily go through TSA security lanes, and that you are covered up and warm on board the flight. This is Javon, and that was your travel minute. So Gene, tell us about this luggage chaos that you had. It's really a saga.
1: Yeah, it it truly is. It was very interesting because you get the feeling as you're taking off and landing, things are not going to be right. Especially as I got in from my second flight, And I noticed only two baggage handlers at an airport working the baggage. Then when we got off and I went over and I checked, I passed the room and I could see thousands of bags of luggage piled up in that room. So that gave me a little bit of a idea what was going on. So it differs. I came from a flight overseas by way of Europe and then I got into Canadian airspace. And there you were able to check in and actually go ahead and put your bags through and clear customs and immigration in Canada to come into the U.S. like a domestic flight. Well, that was the first stop. Bags left there, just didn't make the plane because there wasn't enough connection time. We weren't able to get our bags to check them. And the U.S. government would not allow the bags to be forwarded unless they were cleared by the holders through the U.S. and coming to the U.S. So actually, that was the first time I've ever had a bag delivered by FedEx overseas, which was an interesting combination. The other times were just simply they didn't make the connections. The airline just didn't make the connections. They didn't apologize. They didn't always find them. And they were just overrun by people standing there trying to find out where their bags were.
0: How many days did it take you to get your bags from the airline?
1: The first one was probably the worst. That was almost 10 days, if I remember correctly. At one point, because I had to leave and go traveling right after to another country. Luckily, I'd come in from South Africa and bought some clothes down there from another bag that was missing, but 10 days a week. And then, as I said, 48 hours. And that one was pretty easy. That's standard. (laughs) If they're going to delay your bags, you're not going to get it for 24 to 48 hours. Another few days on the middle one to 10 days, and it would have been technically lost.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of chatter on social media and in the news about Canada. Canada was really struggling. And not just one airport, but both Toronto and in Montreal, that you could see people posting images of luggage just kind of strewn about and in piles. And that, I think, was the first time I ever heard of an airline taking luggage coming in from one international flight and storing it with customs or just handing it over to customs and not handling it themselves, which is why your bag came Federal Express. Yeah,
1: they just gave up. It was a circumstance of not enough staff, not enough people came back after COVID. We talk about pilots and flight attendants and others like that. We forget the ground crews. A number of them just did not come back. And the experienced people didn't. And this is all the way through the travel industry at this point.
0: It really is, because there were also images posted on social media. The same thing was happening in Europe.
1: That's right. The same
0: thing was happening here in the United States as mm-hmm. well. Not necessarily confiscated by customs, but it was happening here in the United States as True. well. And things have calmed down a bit. But we're not completely out of the woods yet, because understand that they still haven't gone back to the staff they had before.
1: And they're not going to. The pre-pandemic staffing is not going to exist. Airlines took it upon themselves, and it was probably wise financially to offer early retirement compensation programs for people not to come back. They didn't want to keep people on payroll. They didn't know how long this was going to last. They also mothball planes. They did a lot of things. And this is true throughout the travel industry. A lot of good staff people are gone and they're gone forever. We're going to be down 20,000 pilots, and it's going to take years to replace those pilots because you can't become a pilot overnight.
0: Certainly not. You have to get in those flying hours. But if you're a young person and you really are looking for a career, the airlines are aggressively offering programs for them to train pilots. And I would say jump on it. It is a good career. And not only that, with the airline program, you're saving a ton of money in what it would cost you to get your own pilot's license. Yeah,
1: you know, $100,000. And this is an excellent time for women and minorities to become pilots, because this is the opportunity for us to equalize that situation. Most pilots came in after World War II Korea and Vietnam, and they were traditionally only going to take white males. This is the time to equalize it for all groups.
0: And United Airlines has really been operating a campaign to work together with HBCUs Mm -hmm. as those students are graduating to get them into a United Airlines pilot program. The
1: rejuvenation of the Tuskegee programs. That's right.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about some fall travel because I do think that they're still in this transition period. As we're coming off of the summer of chaos, it has quietened down. And as I said, uh, it's still a few days of summer left, but fall is quickly approaching. And I love fall travel, but I think this year, especially, we really have to be prepared for it because it's not just summer travel. I'm hearing a lot of people are really getting excited about fall travel. And I don't think this pent-up demand will continue on through to 2023.
1: Yeah, well, I agree with you. One of your earlier terminologies, the rebirth of the roaring 20s is really gonna continue into the fall because a lot of people weren't able to get where they were going. There was a lot of activity going on. The temperatures were extremely hot, even in Europe, 100 degrees or more. A lot of bad weather and a lot of delays and everything. So I think a lot of people, individuals who have the opportunity will be traveling this fall.
0: Mm -hmm. And because a lot of people think that fall travel is more affordable, and it is, I think it's going to be a little bit higher this year than previous years, because we're not going to see that falling off of the travel bookings and experience. So I think it's still a great time of year to travel, but I think that we're not going to see as much of a dip as we've seen before, because people really still want to travel. As a matter of fact, 37% of Americans still intend to travel this fall, as initially planned, despite, of course, inflation. From our end, looking on the industry end, professional end of travel, I couldn't tell you that there was a recession looming or anything like that when it comes to travel.
1: And actually, we've seen prices come down, especially for the fall. The prices coming into the summer and throughout the summer were the highest they've been. And that was part of the rejuvenation of people traveling. But right now, it looks like the prices have come down dramatically for the fall. The weather's going to be better. The hurricane season hasn't been as dramatic as it has in the past. So I think there's going to be a lot of people out there traveling this fall.
0: Yeah. And that COVID restrictions have been lifted in a lot of destinations. Some have completely done away with them and Mm -hmm. no longer requiring that you're vaccinated or to present a negative COVID test. I talked about in our news segment that the cruise lines are even saying, we'll accept your home test. So you're finding that more borders are open. So when I say borders are open without those COVID restrictions.
1: That's right. The protocols have definitely been lifted in a lot of places. We've been to a half a dozen countries in the last few months, and I've seen them disappear. Sometimes while we are there, they've eliminated the COVID protocols.
0: Now, while 45% of travelers said that price influenced their chosen travel dates and two-thirds consider cost affordability as the main criteria, it really hasn't deterred anyone even with gas prices. And as you mentioned, gas prices have really come down a bit and they will continue to come down in the fall and in the winter. But fall is one of my favorite times of the year to travel, always has been. One, I love the fall colors, but it's the weather for me. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. And the fall foliage is beautiful. And you always tend to have, especially if you go early in the fall, talking about September, October, and even early parts of November, you can sometimes get those late summer days.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's some of the best time to go to the beaches or the waterfront in a lot of states and a lot of countries around the world. Because even though the temperature has come down a little bit, The highs of 100 are now down to 70 and 80. The water temperature is still relatively the same and it will be the same until November.
0: Yeah, it takes a while for the water to cool down just as much as it takes it to heat up when you're in the spring. That water is still cold. That water
1: is cold. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a lot different in the fall. You can jump right in in September and October.
0: Yeah, because it is still warm and it's going to take some freezing temps to cool down the water. So TripAdvisor found that 81% of the U.S. and 60% of global travelers that they surveyed are very optimistic for domestic vacations this fall. So one thing that happened during the pandemic and then 2021 immediately following was that national vacations became very big, not just here in the United States, but around the globe because we weren't able to travel across borders. So we started to fall in love with our own countries. And the United States has some beautiful fall destinations. And depending on where you go, you can get early or late fall foliage. And I do have a map I'm going to talk about those best times of the year to travel specifically for fall foliage a little bit later.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And there's a lot of great destinations, maybe not with fall foliage, that you can go to where the weather is so much more comfortable because you look at them. Las Vegas has been 100 degrees right now in the fall. It'll be 80, 85 degrees during the day. Some other places that we love, like New Orleans, beautiful time to go there is in the fall as it is in the spring because the temperature's less. And again, this has not been a heavy hurricane season. And then you've got other destinations like Orlando, Florida, the families are away. You can now get back in there. New York City to go see some plays and do some shopping before the Christmas season kicks in. Some great places like that. And the coastal areas with the beaches, we said the water is still warm. So look at the Carolina coast, like Myrtle Beach and other places like that, you'll find some great destinations.
0: And a destination that I think people often forget about is Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Hawaii in the summer can be very warm. And so when you go during an off season, Hawaii is pretty much the same temperature all year round, but you have less people in the fall. That's another thing that I love about fall travel is that there are fewer people
1: and it's called shoulder season. So the rates go down before the winter season kicks in and high season, high rates kick in. So you have that benefit of less crowds and lower prices.
0: The same holds true for international destinations. And as you mentioned, wow, Europe experienced it was record temperatures this 100 past degrees. summer.
1: Spain, Italy, Greece, 100 degrees. We were there last year in Croatia. Beautiful. This time of year, Water levels down and 20 degrees hotter than it was when we were there before. Now,
0: I was there in May with a group mm-hmm. and in Italy. I had a group in May and it was Hot. summer temperatures then. That's and I right. really thought that we would go ahead of those scorching summer temps. But we had 90 degree days in May.
1: And just think of how beautiful Tuscany would be in October. I yeah. mean, the leaves are turning. The fall festivals are going on. The harvest is in Wine and olive oil and all the great foods are available. And none of the crowds from the summertime.
0: Yeah. And seasonably, it is just a perfect time. And the landscape in Tuscany is just simply beautiful. And if you say Italy, you have to think about fashion. And fall fashion, to me, is one of the best (laughs) fashion periods Mm -hmm. ever.
1: To go to Milan and Milano fall fashion shows and all the outlets that are open. But maybe for me, I think Florence has better shopping.
0: I think so, too. And it's before you have to put on those heavy, heavy there you go. that no one can see anything. Spain, we have a group going in October. Yes. Really looking forward to that. This is Southern Spain. So I'm hoping we will have a reprieve from mm-hmm. the 100 degree temps that they had this past summer. Oh my goodness. So, Ronda
1: and Seville, 100 degrees every day.
0: Yeah. So Seville, and we're going to have, of course, the Black History, the Moors, but also the African diaspora history, the slave trade and so forth that occurred in Spain that people don't really want to talk about, or that history hasn't really been talked about that much. And then we're going to continue down to Morocco, Morocco mm-hmm. but I digress. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Canada. Well, it's a beautiful country to be in. Canada is beautiful. The Quebec province, cities like Toronto, Montreal, all of them. Okay, we got past the luggage issues and hopefully that won't happen. Many of us can drive into Canada. Nova Scotia, still beautiful in the fall. You can see the trees. You can see the changing of the season, and it's not going to be cold yet. Toronto will be no more different than New York or Chicago.
0: No. Mm -hmm. And September, October are perfect times to go. And then Japan. You know, I love Japan. Japan's one of my favorite destinations, and we've been there in the winter. And we've been there in the fall. We've been that's there in true. the spring as well. I and think. The spring, I in the spring, I was there once. But I love the fall. Yeah. Mount Fuji area oh in the fall mm-hmm. is breathtaking. But also Kyoto, I love too.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, you can see beautiful transition of the seasons with the leaf changes and everything else going on. And the weather is still comfortable. I mean, it'll be comfortable through November there, and it starts to get cold. But then it kicks into the winter, and that's the ski season in the north of yeah. Japan.
0: And Lisbon in Portugal, Portugal. well, all of Portugal I love. And I know in the summertime, a lot of folks like to go to the Azores. And again, if you go early to mid-September, I know that's still summer. But for a lot of people, especially here in the United States, once we pass Labor Day, we think summer's over. Yes, summer goes to the 21st of the month, but still, the month of September is a great time to go weather-wise. And Portugal, too, has a harvest season.
1: And great Portuguese wines, Mm -hmm. great food. And the weather is great. You can still go swimming September and October. It's beautiful in Portugal.
0: Here's another one that's on that fall list that a lot of folks don't think about, and that's Iceland. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you want Northern lights and if you want to experience Iceland and it's true glory, (laughs) the ice in the winter and all of that, then certainly you want to go in January or February because you need those really cold, clear nights to see the Northern lights.
1: But you but can see northern lights in September and October, Sometimes too. you can. That's right.
0: Sometimes you can. It all depends on the weather. And I think in the last few years, we have seen northern lights in different parts of the world.
1: Where you did Earlier, before.
0: not only in different parts of the world, but earlier in the season.
1: That's right. September, it is possible to see the northern lights in the Scandinavian countries and in Iceland. And Iceland is a quick jump away from most U.S. cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a lot of landscape in Iceland that... It's otherworldly. It That's makes you true. feel like you're on a different planet. It's a little rugged, but then as the weather changes things and you get to see a lot more of Iceland than you would in the dead of winter. That's so true. it's a great time and a place to go in the fall.
1: <laughs> because the sun is still up. Remember in the winter, there's no sunlight practically.
0: So let's talk about some of those fall travel tips mm. and things you really want to consider. So road trips are a big deal. In the fall. That's and right. I don't know if you recall, but I think it was last year that we did fall road trip fall music, foliage. which was mm-hmm. fantastic because yes. it is that time where you're going to be on the road just before ice hits the ground. It's a great time to go and fewer people are going to be on the road. So you just want to make sure that if you are doing a road trip, you should have AAA. Oh, yeah. And you should be prepared for that road trip. But talking about fall travel tips, clothing wise, you want to layer up mm-hmm. because you never know what the weather is going to be. You have to prepare for mixed weather. It could be hot. It could be a little chilly. You could have rain. Yes. So you have to be prepared for that. And layering up is what you want to do, because if it turns out to be a hot day, you can take your jacket off and you're prepared for that hot mm-hmm. weather Or if it gets a little chilly, just put a
1: jacket on. Windbreaker back on. Sweater, light sweater. Always have a scarf or a pashmina that you can travel with to cover up when you're out there. But yeah, you want to dress in layers. You also want to make sure that your clothes are multifunctional that they serve multi-purpose. Don't come with just dress clothes or play clothes. You want to make sure that your clothes can serve multi-purposes. So that way you can have just enough clothes that you're comfortable, but you're dressed for every occasion.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things or reasons that we travel in the fall is because there are some destinations that are great for the fall, like we talked about earlier, but there's two sides to that coin. So you're either going to go to a destination because of its attraction to fall. Oh, yes. Understand if that's a destination, That may be a peak season for that destination. Might be
1: the most expensive time to go. That's true. Because
0: some places in Japan, for example, locals flock there Mm -hmm. just for the fall foliage. So you want to make sure that you understand that because you may run into availability issues and pricing may be higher. It's
1: going to be higher. That's right. The same thing in the Northeast. The same thing when you travel in mid-America and you go for the fall foliage, you're going to have places that that's the peak season. It's the equivalent of Labor Day or July 4th. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And then the other side of that is look for destinations that are off peak. Earlier, I mentioned Hawaii, for example. It's tropical all year round. True. So fall is a great time to go because it's not the peak period. It's not the period where everyone else is traveling there. Europe, And yes, I'm saying Europe is a blanket, but Europe is another one of those destinations, depending on where you go. The further north you go, the cooler it's going to be. The further south you go, the warmer it's going to be. But the summer rush is gone. And And, so it's going to be considered an off-peak destination. Sure.
1: And the shoulder season is less expensive for airfare and hotels and also ground operators everything is still open, but it costs less.
0: Yeah. For those destinations, think about the destinations that are all the rage for a summer vacation. Mm -hmm. If it's all the rage for a summer vacation, it's going to be a great off-peak destination for the fall. So again, pack multifunctional clothing, layer up, prepare for mixed weather, check for off-season destinations, or you're going to pick a destination that celebrates the fall with festivals or fall foliage events and activities. So these are the reasons that you may want to travel in the fall rather than summer, which means it's going to be less expensive. It's going to be less crowded, fewer families. Now, this is Mm -hmm. one of the attractions for you and I. No shade to anyone who has small children, but we don't. And there are a lot of people who don't, whether you just don't have children at all like us or your children are college age or you're empty nesters. True. You want to pick destinations or that fall period when families aren't going to be there. No peeing in the pool by five-year-olds running
1: around. (laughs) Just peeing in the pool by adults who drink too much at the bar. But yeah, that's so true. And it makes for a better time and a better opportunity for those people who want to get away from it all.
0: Yes. And also thinking about those festivals there and harvest. Harvest is a big time, especially if you're a foodie like I am. Wine destinations are great destinations for the fall. Any places like here in Illinois, for example, you have the apple season, which is the fall. And there are lots of orchards and a lot of fun activities, but a lot of festivities and festivals that celebrate the fall.
1: Yeah, and true. You can also go to a lot of places in the Midwest, along with the Appalachian Mountains and festivals in Virginia and Maryland and upstate New York. A lot of fall festivals going on. It's really beautiful. And I think that leads all the way into Halloween and Thanksgiving.
0: Yes, it does. Now let's talk about this fall foliage. We've mentioned it a lot, but if you call yourself a leaf peeper or if you wait anxiously like I do for the fall season to appear, although here in Chicago, I'm often left underwhelmed. I would have to go more out into the country and we're always busy this time of the year. But whenever I get the chance to, I just Absolutely love the fall foliage with the reds and golds and when they are mixed in with the greens, the evergreens, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful time.
1: Yeah, and it's really well set up to give you time for you can plan your vacation because the calendar each year tells you when to look for peak foliage. Yeah. So give us some of those dates.
0: Well, you can certainly go to the Almanac website. They always have a fall foliage predictor and a map, a very interactive map that you can use, for example, The fall foliage starts to change in the northern tier states, then out west, and then in the Midwest by late September. By October 4, the leaves in some areas will be best in their prime. Then you have the New England as well as the Pacific Northwest areas, and they'll be at or near peak fall by October 11th. And then a little further south, you have a later season. You have the Blue Ridge Mountains, and you're looking at mid-October to late October. So the further south you go, typically, you're going to get a later season.
1: That's true. And that carries over also to the Rocky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains. So mid-October, you'll tend to see some nice foliage change too.
0: Just to give you a few parks that the Almanac lists as some of the best places to see fall foliage, you have Acadia National Park in Maine. Massapeka Preserve in upstate New York, and then the Vogel State Park in Chattahoochee. One thing we want to leave you with, if you have not already prepared... Start looking at your holiday travel now. Book it now. As I mentioned in the news segment, airlines have cut back on their fall schedule. And we know Thanksgiving is one of those busy times. So think about it now. Book early. That's the best way to get good prices and availability. And start looking at those Christmas dates too. It's not too soon to do that. You're going to get better rates. And some airlines are still offering waivers to make changes. So don't think you're completely locked into those dates, you may be able to make changes for no fee. Mm -hmm. It's still non-refundable, but you can use that ticket at a later date. So think about booking your holiday season and trips now. Gene, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Javon.
0: When I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to that website, travelingculturati.com. Follow me on social media and don't forget to join that travel club because we go places. Yes, we do. (laughs) And you don't want to miss out on the fun. In October, we're going to Spain. I hope some of you are going with us. Spain with an extension to Morocco. In November, we are going to New York to see MJ the Musical and also the Black History Tour of New York, going to Harlem, going to the African Burial Ground, which is the largest one that's been discovered right there in New York. And in March, we are returning to South Africa for the first time since 2019, going to the Cape Town Jazz Festival, and of course, going on safari and seeing Johannesburg will also go later in the year. You don't want to miss out on the fun, so make sure you join the Travel Club and travel with us. We go fantastic places. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report, and I thought it fitting to talk about culture shock. Now, it's a phrase that we use or a term that we use often when we're going on a vacation to another country and we're asking ourselves, am I going to experience culture shock? And we kind of gauge that based on what we may see on television or hear from other people who have traveled to this destination. And again, we're looking at this from a vacation point of view, but there's a more serious condition called culture shock that can really affect someone, especially those who are going for extended periods of time, whether it's for work, whether it's for school, or maybe it's that you're relocating there and you're becoming an expat. But when you're spending that extended period of time, you may suffer more of the symptoms and effects of a culture shock. So first, let's talk about what it is. It refers to the feelings of uncertainty, confusion, or anxiety that people may experience when moving to another country or experiencing a new culture or their surroundings. Now, this cultural adjustment is normal and is the result of being in an unfamiliar environment. So this could be for a short period of time, or it could be for an extended period of time but it can occur when people move to another city even, or a country. You know, here in the United States, we have very different cultures across our nation. Depending on whether you're going north, south, east, or west, you can find some cultural differences. There are a lot of people who are retiring abroad and will have to get adjusted or acclimate to a new environment. Culture shock can also occur when people go on vacation, when they travel for business, study abroad or for school, like an international student who's studying abroad for a semester. They're in another country and that experience of a different culture is an adjustment with their weather even local customs language food and values so it's not just so much that people do things differently than we do or may do but also just think about watching television at night or at any time and you're constantly hearing another language that you haven't quite learned completely so all of these things can give us high anxiety Now, the timing of this adjustment period that people have can differ from person to person. Some people are okay with change and with things that are very unfamiliar to them. And some people, it can be quite stressful and even lead to anxiety. However, it's very possible to overcome it and to grow as a result, because traveling is learning, and traveling is about that growing process. And one of the things that we always say here at traveling cultureati is that we travel in search of that immersive cultural experience. Now it's a short period of time when we travel and to immerse ourselves in that culture allows us to really understand that culture. But for some, they may have an adjustment period to that culture. Now, culture shock is divided into four stages. You have the honeymoon phase, frustration, adaptation, and acceptance. So over time, people can become familiar with their new surroundings as they make new friends and learn the customs leading to the appreciation of another culture. So you want to start with understanding what culture shock is when we leave that comfort of our home and our familiar surroundings when we move to an unfamiliar environment, that adjustment period can be intense for some, fairly intense for others, mildly intense for others. We all process things very differently. But if the two locations are completely different, such as going from a small rural area to a large metropolis, Or even moving to another country, people can also experience a culture shock when moving from one place to another within the same country, as I mentioned earlier. So typically no single event will cause culture shock, nor will it occur suddenly or without reason. So what typically happens is a gradual building from a series of incidents and culture shock can be difficult to identify while you're struggling with it, because it may just be frustrating. I know I've experienced frustration sometimes if I'm in another country and I'm having trouble communicating, they're not understanding me, I'm not understanding them because we may have a language barrier, or maybe even we speak the same language, but we use phrases differently that can occur as well. Or even going from the north to the south here in the United States. You know, oftentimes people from the south come to the north and say with very fast pace or people were rude in the big city. Maybe the opposite. We think maybe those in a small city or in a southern town may move a little slower and appreciate different things. So it is about those differences and that series of incidents, especially if it's over long term. So the feeling is particularly intense in the beginning and can be very tough to overcome, it's important to remember that the cultural adjustment usually will dissipate over time. As you become more and more familiar with a place, the people, the customs, the food, and the language, you know, it can be stressful when you don't know exactly what to do and you don't want to offend someone. You want to be a part of something, but you don't know quite how to fit in. Kind of think of it when you're in school, right? Elementary or grade school and you don't quite fit in. It could be that same type of feeling. So we want to navigate our surroundings and our friends that we've made, and then everything as that is occurring will become more and more comfortable. The adjustment process due to culture shock can get better over time, and that leads to that growth and that appreciation of the new environment. Some of the symptoms can be you feel homesick, you feel helpless. You can feel isolated, disoriented. You can have lack of concentration. You can be irritable, sad. There could be eating or sleep disturbances, and also paranoia. Yeah, that can happen too. So, the four stages that we talked about of culture shock the honeymoon stage, that's the first stage. And it's referred to as the honeymoon stage. Actually, that's used in a lot of different scenarios but it's basically because we are thrilled to be in this new environment. We're anticipating our vacation. We're anticipating this move. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward. I'm going here. You're so excited about the destination and it seems like adventure to you. And typically that's on a short stay. So this is the honeymoon phase and things may change when you get there because now you're entrenched in it and you're seeing it from a different lens. You then become frustrated. So we have the frustration stage and that's when people become increasingly irritated or disoriented after that initial exciting period in being in that new environment wears off. And sometimes you can get tired, fatigue can set in gradually or for some very quickly. So you get frustrated, irritable, homesick. You can even feel depressed and then feeling lost or out of place. And certainly you can feel tired. You then have the adaptation stage. And this is often gradual as people will start to feel more at home. The more you do something, the more comfortable you are with it because you kind of know what to expect, right? Or you've developed more friendships. You've created another community at your new destination. So that frustration stage will begin to subside as you adjust to that new environment. Then you have the acceptance stage. So during that acceptance stage, you can really kind of call it a recovery stage as well. So you've already gone through the honeymoon where you're on that high, you're excited. Then all of a sudden you're frustrated because it's not just a vacation anymore, right? Then you go through that adaptation where now you're kind of getting into the rhythm of it. And now you're growing into the acceptance, right? People are so much better able to experience and enjoy your new home because you're familiar with your surroundings. You kind of know the lay of the land, you know where to go and what to do. You are even communicating better because you're picking up the language more and more. Now A lot of times we learn a language before we go to a destination, but it's very different when you're Entrenched in it, and all you're hearing is that other language. And now the words are all jumbled up for you. So, the more you hear the words, the more you practice the language on your own, and you hear how the language is used at the destination, you become more and more comfortable. So, typically, those beliefs and attitudes towards your new surroundings will start to improve. And then, of course, that gives you more confidence. It gives you a better sense of self. And so obstacles and misunderstandings that were an issue in the frustration stage can maybe even now be seen as humorous, right? You start to think, oh, I can't believe I did that, or they misunderstood this part, or I asked for this and I got that. So this brings you to that acceptance stage. So overall, It can be overcome. But again, it's very important to immerse yourself in that cultural experience, especially when you're traveling and just understand that you will have those four phases and you will get over it. The beauty of a vacation, though, is typically you stay in that honeymoon stage because it's a short period of time that you're there and it's all part of the process. It's all part of the experience. Do some homework ahead of time so that you understand and know what's going on. And not just the books, but maybe go to the blogs, the blogs of people who are there. Maybe there are some expats from your country that are living there and they can kind of give you some tips about how things go. So it can be a very abstract thing. It can be a very real thing for folks, but you can prepare yourself and learn about the culture and the destination before you go and prepare yourself Perhaps for the four stages of culture shock. I hope you've enjoyed that. And also, I hope that you have some great takeaways that you can apply to your next adventure. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius.